Episode 16 of the MetroFan TV Weekly Rundown, and it's just the two of us here this week. Lenza Fernando here to uh, not go over maybe uh, everything new in the landscape this week, but rather go over some of the things that we have uh, may have haven't had the chance to talk about in previous episodes. Uh, but anyway, how are you doing today, Fernando? Uh, I'm dying again. This is like. <laughs> like the eighth time i feel like i'm dying while recording um yeah thanksgiving uh itself was fine but uh yeah i made poor food choices today so i'm kind of paying for it right now this is the morning after the party isn't it right about now <laughs> uh <laughs> it's kind of going down it's going down for real as we all know i mean no great things can last forever and uh, the Friday morning breakfast meal, I guess, after Thanksgiving is a reminder of that. But um, I guess in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we're here to talk about some of the uh, end of year stuff that we, uh, like I think we mentioned earlier in the episode, that we hadn't really had the chance to cover the last few episodes between talking about all the uh, various uh, things going on in the playoffs. And while we do have a game coming up on Sunday against uh, that team from down south, uh, that's they're, they're not really that important anyway. Because uh, what's <laughs> kind of slightly more important is the fact that we have award winners this year. And I think they're very well-deserving award winners as well. Uh, obviously, huge news earlier this uh, year. Aaron Long is MLS Defender of the Year as well as best 11 selections for both Aaron Long and Kamar Lawrence to kind of put to kind of put a really nice cap on what has been such a fantastic year I think uh for both of them but especially for Aaron Long who I think as we understand has been such a testament to the things that this organization is capable of doing in terms of player development right so this is a guy yeah. who was kind of bounced around um, USL, kind of flamed out with the with the with the Sounders, the uh, Timbers organization, for kind of landing with us. Um, was it like in twenty fifteen? I think twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Um, converted from a defensive midfielder to a center back, and basically went. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Going from, you know, an afterthought to the USL Defender of the Year and then a MLS Defender of the Year within two years with a number of uh, U.S. men's national team caps. I mean, it, it, it's 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 really quite incredible, the story of a rather maybe overlooked uh, set defensive midfielder from California who has emerged as maybe... The most unsung hero, I feel, in the team this year. Partially in part because I think a lot of the buzz earlier this year was going, is kind of dedicated a bit more towards Tim Parker. And of course, our fullbacks are full-time internationals with their respective teams, you know, but Kamar probably being, you know, one of the best, if not the best left back in um, not just MLS, but perhaps the entire CONCACAF region. And Amir playing at the World Cup. I mean, doesn't really get much bigger than that. And, you know, he's 
Aaron Long to me has always kind of been a bit of a microcosm for um, maybe the sort of lack of attention that's generally been given to players that came up in the system for me, right? Like, um, we I think close watchers of this team have always kind of understood him as kind of being the glue that ties that whole back four together, you know, not just in terms of his ability to play incredible emergency defense, but also in his ability to play the ball from out from um, out of the back. I mean, this, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I think to me, the um, gains that he's made um, as a member of this organization the past few years. And it's just really good to see him finally getting some, you know, respect and recognition from, uh, you know, from the various media outlets that follow this league. And now that everybody kind of just is starting to gain a sense of just how good he is, um, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, kind of think about how much higher you could possibly go with this organization than here, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, Long Long is is a great story. You know, one one thing I think people should remember, he is 20. He just turned 26. So he's not exactly uh, what I would consider, you know, kind of part of that that youth group at this point. I mean, he's definitely not old, obviously, but he's he's, you know, he's not 20, 21 anymore. But what I what I what I like what I love about Long's story is he kind of fits he kind of fits this uh Fifty examples I try to give people like this team is obviously known so well for for their youth development and that's usually kind of like the big you know talking point around this uh, around this team is how good they are at youth development from academy to give you know to to rebel two and and moving on up but like if you really think about different elements of this team and you really start like really drilling down to certain players it's really just about development and there's like three players I think on a team that highlight how good this team is at just simply developing players, regardless of what age bracket you're in. You have someone like Tyler Adams, who, you know, from I mean, from the ground up, right? He he's from our academy system. He went straight up through uh, through Rebel Two, and now he's getting his minutes, you know, uh, with the first team. And he's only 19 years old. Then you have Aaron Long, who is someone who's maybe not young. He's not old. He's kind of like in that lower, you know, the lower end of the middle, you know, middle age uh, kind of guy, kind of really starting to to maybe, uh, uh, you know, striding towards his peak years. But still, this is someone who, like you said, was a defensive midfielder who was con- who was basically just bouncing around the lower leagues, was converted into a into a center back, and his first year of being a center back, he won, he, you know, he wins defender of the year. Makes an immediate jump to, to to MLS, and I thought he was top five center back even last year, and then this year. I mean, in my I, I've argued this on on Facebook, on you know the discussion group, on Twitter, and, and in person with people. I personally think Long is a better center back than Tim Parker, um, and I'm not taking any. I'm not trying to take anything away from from Tim Parker, but I do think Aaron Long is probably the best center back in the entire league, and just seeing his seeing this team develop this guy over the course of just a couple of seasons into what he is, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, you you almost have to like kind of take a step back and wonder like, damn, what if this guy was a center back for like his whole career? You know, what if he came to this team already, you know, kind of with a better understanding of, of what that position is and, 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 you know, how can you imagine how much better he is? 
you know, and then, then if you go a little older, look at Bradley, you know, Bradley came to the team at, at 28 and uh, he had a quote, I think it was, uh, I think it was towards the end of last year where he had mentioned that he's, he's developed more as a player since coming to this team than he ever did in England. And then he's, he went drew, he drilled that even further saying that he's learned more since 2015 under Jesse than he ever has. He was what, 30 years old in 2015. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, so it's just, it's total development with this team. It's, it's the, the, the way this team, the way the staff, the way their, their, the philosophy is kind of built and designed to just, Build and mold these guys, regardless of whatever, you know, soccer nonsense people talk about, you know, you're too old to learn or, you know, youth only like, you know, like all these, all these like talking points you hear now from, from so many different people, like all that stuff kind of gets thrown out the window when it comes to this team. If you have the right talent and they can see it, they're going to develop you no matter what age you are. And, and I think that's maybe, and I'm kind of, you know, spilling off here, but I think that might be one of the things that, that attract so many, you know, so many players to this team is they know that if they have any level of talent that, that that's redeemable, you know, this team, this team's going to find it and, and do something great with it. And I think long is kind of like that middle of the road, uh, a, a perfect example where, you know, it, it almost doesn't even matter what position you were, you know, that this, what this team can do is, is unbelievable, but you still have to have that foundation. So for, for, for him to, for him to make that, that, that leap into, into another team, which was another lower league team, technically, you know, rebel two is in USL, but also be willing to, to like take the risk of changing positions at, at that age in 2016 was unbelievable. And, and it paid off. And, and I, I, I'm telling you long is one of the, one of the best stories to, to come out of American soccer, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about like you know the ability to identify talent and nurture it, I think by putting it in the best position to succeed, I've always kind of been skeptical of you know there's been always there's always been this talk of people in uh, MLS media talking about like oh I mean uh, look at Aaron Long like how many other Aaron Longs could there possibly be like floating around in the lower leagues you know. I really kind of doubt the capacity of other MLS organizations to kind of develop guys like Aaron Long, you know, I mean, and the proof is kind of in the pudding here. He was with two other, you know, MLS organizations and their with their USL mm-hmm. affiliates with Sounders 2 and Timbers 2, and neither of them could really get anything out of him. Just the entire yep. reason why he managed to come to us on what was kind of like a last chance saloon kind of thing when he signed with Red Bull 2 and decided to make the conversion to center back um that you know i I mean i've always been very skeptical of you know people kind of uh pinpointing stories like aaron long as kind of being you know um as kind of being this um success story that um all mls organizations are capable of doing because I don't really think that other MLS organizations really quite display the uh, consistent level of talent recognition and no. talent development that our organization does. And that mostly kind of I, stems from the fact that, you know, I mean, we talk about vertical integration being a humongous buzzword um, here at, Red, at, at the Red Bull organization. But it's also true in the sense that... Um, 
when we talk about the system, it's not just in terms of, you know, having the uh, two team play the same system as the first team, but it's also a matter of fitting talent into um, the two team and giving them the right tools that they need to kind of learn the roles that we need them to play. And I'm not really sure if you have that same kind of quality of attention and that same nope. sort of, uh, you know, that, that, that same kind of attention to detail at other organizations, because I really do feel like their, you know, USL affiliates are just kind of used as catchment grounds, you know, like yeah. they're, they're just there to like kind of gain a bunch of lottery tickets and hope one of them sticks, you know, like after a while, it's just like kind of like throwing noodles against the wall, you know, with their USL affiliates, like with us, like there's a purpose and there's a meaning behind every single guy that we bring in, I feel. And yeah, it, it, it it's it's funny because you're, you're right. You, you, hear, you hear so many of these people talk about, you know, you know, oh, everyone, you know, just people should 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 you know, more teams need to try to mimic, you know, with with, uh, you know, what 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 rebel do and, and like the way they kind of like frame their, their, their thoughts and comments. It's just like, Oh, you just have to like, you know, have a good Academy and like just develop and do things like people. I feel like don't really, really, really understand the capacity of what's actually being done here. It's not just having a good Academy team. The galaxy have a good, uh, uh, has a good uh, Academy system. RSL has a good Academy system. It's not just about having uh, Sporting Kansas City has a good academy. It's not just about having a good uh, a good USL side. Real Monarchs they they actually had a pretty good season in the USL. Um, Swole Park Rangers made it into in, into two finals back to back. It's about integrating all that with a purpose. It's like you said. It's not just doing it to doing it. It's not just developing players to develop players. And have this, you know, development second team just to develop guys and like just that's kind of it and just see, you know, see what works. It's it's about integrating your entire pipeline from the RDS programs to the affiliates to the actual academy sides into the uh, into USL and into the first team with a very 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 specific purpose. There's a reason why, you know, there are some guys where some people are like, you know. Why, you know, this guy did go with with uh, with Rebel too. Why do we get rid of him? We totally could have used him. Perfect example, is Speedy Williams. Well, obviously, there's things about that player that don't fit. So it's not just about developing good players or 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 anything like that. It's about developing good players with a purpose. And that purpose is to eventually make it their first team, to play how the first team plays, and and be able to make a good impact. So I, I think that's a big piece that people don't seem to understand. That, that and I think the only person out there who might have some understanding is probably Gas, but like realistically, who else who talks about youth development and 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 you know all this all this you know all this this uh, MLS 3.0 stuff actually understands what's happening within his organization. And I think in a way, like uh, when when I when I was th- I was kind of hinting at this earlier, but you know, in terms of what's next, I think. Um, it kind of does play out to our benefit, I think, that Long only kind of developed um, around his age 24, age 25 seasons. Because I feel like if he kind of had this similar like path, um, say, like, if he was with Red Bull from the very start, you know, like he came up through the academy and uh, played with the various um, uh, age talent, like age groups, 
in the academy coming up, you know, I mean, say that this, I don't know if this development curve necessarily happens as well if um, he starts at the Ripple Academy, but if he was maybe three or four years younger, I think you'd see seeing a lot of interest in the services i think from teams overseas yeah and i'm not and i'm not saying that like there isn't there may or may not be interest from teams overseas as we currently speak and you know the possibility that um we lose him down the line is definitely still like a possibility especially if a really good european side like takes takes a tent like uh he catches the attention of a really good european side and decides that he wants to make the leap um we can't really prohibit anything from happening in that case. But in terms of like, um, it kind of works to our benefit to a degree as well, because this is a guy who's still, who, who's only really starting to get a bit of traction as soon as he's turning about 26 or 27, you know? So yeah. I think the buzz isn't going to be quite as high because maybe people will be a bit scared off by the fact that, you know, if they make a significant financial investment into him, they're maybe only getting maybe about two or three more prime years if they bag him in the 2019 offseason than they would yeah. from someone slightly younger. You know, and I think as a result of that, you know, I think it might kind of work into our benefit where he seems poised to contribute at a first team level for at least a couple more seasons, if not the rest of his career. I mean, it's entirely possible that he does stick with this, like for to the end of his career as a result of this, you know? Oh, I, I, I have a or, weird kind of, I have a weird thought on that. I, I feel like, I feel like the, 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 the young person you're talking about who kind of leaves too early, we're kind of talking about Miazga, like in, in a weird way. Yeah. Right. Who like is developing, but maybe like left a little bit too early long. I feel in some weird ways is like, if we had just kept Miazga, you know, like the meat, like what if we had Miazga when he was still 25, 26 years old, you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense, but like we had to make sense. No, I, I think in terms of like potential ceiling, like a, it would be possible to say that Long's kind of realized his ceiling right now, or at least he's close to reaching that level. You know, I think we, yeah. when we talked about Matt Miazga in particular, we knew that his ceiling was probably a lot higher at the highest level than I think it could have been of Aaron, but yeah, what kind of works to Aaron's advantage is that you know he's realized a level of talent that makes him poised to be um, one of the first names on the team sheet for pro- for the best side in MLS, you know, and that I think it's comparable. It's definitely comparable. He may not have the necess- he may not have the years in his side that Miazga does, but he's definitely mm-hmm. in a better environment right now. I think I definitely say that than Miazga is because you know I think you look at Matt, the poor kid's kind of struggling a bit at Nantes. Doesn't really yeah. seem like there's a pathway for first team minutes for him at Chelsea, so. We don't really know what's going to happen with Matt Miazga, you know, but we can at least have a bit of a gander to think that Aaron Long would kind of at least, you know, have a bit of room to be in an environment where he excels in right now. And I kind of agree with you on that point that, yeah, 
Long's emergence has kind of negated the loss of Matt Miazga and then some, you know, and yeah. And I think that's why it's important. Like people, people, you, you, you don't see it as often, but I, I, you, you still kind of see it in certain, you know, certain areas on, on social media, but you have a lot of people kind of, you know, throw the line that's along the lines of, uh, you know, what's the point of the Academy if you don't get to keep them, if you're trying to sell them? Well, I think Miazga and Long are probably like the two perfect templates of why you have a good development system. You you have a great academy system so you can, you know, develop guys like Miazga and sell them for five plus million dollars. At the same time, it's great to have a, a, a solid development system where you can bring in guys like Aaron Long and develop him into defender of their year capabilities but potentially not lose him like you would lose to someone like Miyazu. You get the best of both worlds. You get to develop the guys and make that transfer money, but you get to also develop guys and keep them and make a significant impact to your team. Yeah, and you know, I think this is going to be my first prediction for the offseason, and I think everyone and their mother probably knows this is going to happen at this point. But you're going to see this right now with Tyler Adams and Christian Casares Jr., and that's my prediction Right now, and you know, I think that's going to be another example that we can point to as sort of being this example where you um, nurture high ceiling guys from the academy who you can sell for a really, really nice profit on the transfer market, but you can then reinvest into developing guys who can contribute for their entire careers in MLS. You know, every Mm -hmm. major sale like Miazga or potentially Tyler Adams goes towards developing the next wave of Sean Davis's and Alex Mills, you know, and those are, that's proven MLS level starting caliber. And, you know, the way that our homegrown guys have played this, played this year, you know, they've definitely proved that you can have an MLS, but you can, you can be the best team in MLS with a side of mostly homegrowns with a good supporting cast, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the major thing that we have to realize here is that we 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 also understand that MLS isn't an apex league yet, and I don't know if it ever will be, but the continuous development of talent that um, overseas teams will be interested in is only going to really help us because it's going to attract, you know, high caliber talent even more. It kind of sells itself after a while. Every major sale that you make to a big European side as a result of having developed them in your academy is only going to draw more high ceiling talent to you. It's going to draw, you know, the best talent in the region to your doors because they know that you have a proven track record for kids to potentially achieve their dreams of playing soccer at the highest level in Europe. And, you know, I think that's a simple fact for all we kind of talk about. Um, all we talk about hating on Euro snobs and everything, but the point stands that the best leagues in the world right now are in Europe. And if yeah. we prove that we have a consistent pathway to get no cool talent to Europe, that is only going to sell itself in the United States. You know, it's going to send all these kids who want to realize these dreams and have their ambitions come to us as a result of this. So it's part of the kind of the process of doing that. You know, I think I don't necessarily, I I don't necessarily see us as a feeder team necessarily like as being a bad thing, especially when you consider MLS's like um, stage in the overall like food chain. Right. And yep. 
I think all things considered, like I'm very, I think I'm, I think I'm very proud of uh, something like this whenever it kind of comes up because, you know, like this is just another bit that we can add to our sparkling resume of player development, which is still kind of in its nebulous stages. You know, I think we're starting to, we're starting to see glimpses of the machine that it could be. Um, we're getting the kind of the early yield from that. And we only know that it's like the way it's developed um, so far, the opening two or three or four years that this program has been in place. Like it's only become like, we have to understand that this is only just the beginning when it comes to player development at this organization. And that's what's yep. kind of very exciting for me. Um, and yeah, I've said it, I've said it before that, that, you know, the, 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 the template, the blueprint is over in Salzburg. And, and if you look at what they've done in terms of development, whether it's uh, people brought up through, you know, through their Academy system or, you know, some of the really young guys you brought in from the outside, it's, you talk about churn. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it is an unbelievable development machine over there. And I, with the resources that, that are at the disposal here and, and, you know, unfortunately there are some stupid bullshit league things that I think definitely limit what, what, what this team can do, but you look at what they've done over there. And I think that's kind of, at least for me personally, I see what's done over there and that's what gets me so excited with what's happening here is I like, like you said, we're, we're now just starting to really see the, uh, see things kind of go in motion. I know we won a shield in 2015 and, you know, we were so close in 2016 last year was a bit of a, of, but a bit of a drop, but this is the closest we've, this is the closest, like energy, energy, uh, energy drink soccer team we've had yet. And look how good we did seeing how well the other two teams are built with the same philosophy, there's no reason to think why we can't do the same. And that is so fucking exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you hinted at this um, earlier where you're talking about part of the churn is actually bringing in guys from outside the organization who can prove that they can um, understand the system that we want them to play and step up to talent levels as a result of that. And, um, I talked about how it's going to not just attract talent, I think from the region, but talent from around the world, you know, you're going to have all kinds of international prospects from uh, other um, parts of CONCACAF or even the world who are going to come and look at the Red Bull organization and realize that this might be my best shot at potentially making a, of playing at a level I wouldn't be able to get maybe in my home country and potentially get a springing board into jumping into a, a even more competitive league, I think, in Europe. And there's nobody that I can think of that embodies this more than our other MLS Best 11 selection, Kamar Lawrence, right? He hasn't yeah. made the leap because of work permit issues. We understand that. But it's very telling that you know, his first two or three seasons with us, there was a lot of buzz from scouts coming from England to come and watch him at Red Bull Arena. And, you know, I think if it weren't for the fact that Jamaica's FIFA ranking was so low and, you know, what kind of is a, what kind, what kind is a hindrance for him is actually, again, unfortunately to our benefit, 
as Machiavellian yeah. as may that as that may sound, the fact stands that you know like Kamar is a guy who we got off the scrap heap as well. This was more. This was a guy who we discovered in the fucking MLS Caribbean Combine, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't even know was a thing until I did research yeah. for this episode. That we got off the scrap heap from DC United for a pittance, effectively. And is there anyone else who's come out of that combine that's act like still playing? God, or has like lasted more than a season? I can't think of anyone else. Like Zico wasn't. um, They're all like clients of Damani Ralph. I swear to God, like (laughs) like, that's all I I know. Um, But but the point stands is you know. Kamar, okay, you know, like, we, it, it, Kamar is an example of a guy who has the talent to play in Europe, but because of extraneous circumstances, ended up staying with us, you know, and when you talk about part of the churn, you do have to factor in the fact that international prospects are going to look at this organization as well and realize that, you know, if the stars align and they do well here, you know, like... They have the possibility to realize their ambitions of playing in Europe if they come to us and prove that they can do our um, and they prove that they can play our system well. And in order to see the effect that this has, I mean, just look at who plays on the other um, starting position at fullback, like Amir Murillo attracting interest from PSV, attracting interest from teams in Belgium. Um, it's just I find it very telling that two years in a row now, we've, it's in 2015, no, sorry, in 2015 and 20, okay, it wasn't two years in a row, but in 2015 and 2017, we brought in um, a fullback from another maybe less heralded soccer playing nation in CONCACAF and developed them into a level where they could potentially, where they were garnering interest from notable European sites. And mm-hmm. This is the other thing that kind of sells this organization as a whole, as a as a player development um, organization, is that you're not just selling yourselves to kids in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, but you're also selling the organization to international players in Concacaf looking to make the next leap in their careers. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis is, is another, another fullback. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll be getting it. We'll be touching on Alan Yanez a bit later, but um, Yanez is another great example. And I think, you know, I think when it comes to it, when you see, when when you see how all of this has been put together, you really do gain the sense that if our best case scenario is becoming the Salzburg of the Americas, like oh. that's going to be fantastic, in my opinion, because I got, you'll be, ch- I got chills here in that. You're, you're going to be <laughs> drawing. Every high caliber player who has a dream of playing in the best leagues in the world because they know that they can get, we can get them there. And if this is the crop that we're getting from the first two or three years that this project has been kind of implemented in New York, think of what it's going to look like in four or five years when it's even more fully realized and the name is really out there, you know, it's such an exciting time. I think to be, be glorious. Yes. To especially be, 
to be following player development at this organization. And this is just the beginning. I think um, you look at the other um, award, uh, like we had a number of other award nominees that didn't end up winning, you know, like Luis Robles uh, being passed over for goalkeeper of the year in favor of Zach Steffen. But Luis Robles is another great example of a guy who we've developed into something greater than what he was when he came to us, you know, and in a very interesting way, like Robles is kind of parallel Bradley Wright Phillips's career in the way that these were unheralded guys who kind of came to us as lottery tickets and mm -hmm. came to us as sort of like the last chance saloon in their careers. And we've developed into club legends, you know, Robles is the iron man. He's the captain. He, what he won MLS goalkeeper of the year in 2015, almost won it again this year, you know, like this was a guy who was about to become a fucking real estate agent, like coming back from Germany. <laughs> yeah. Bradley Wright Phillips yep. was about to was dropping down the English pyramid, you know, like when they came to us as, you know, guys in their late twenties. Um, it's just a simple fact that, you know, we, we don't just develop young guys in the region, but we also develop veteran, like veteran players from elsewhere who are trying to kind of revive their careers or, have someone or find a place where they can finally stick. You know, before he uh, moved to Columbus, Mike Grella was another great example of that, of a relatively, of a guy whose career in Europe was kind of sputtering out, who came back and, you know, kind of caught a bit of a spark with us, you know, before his knee injuries kind of caught up with him, which was very, very unfortunate yeah. in that end. But I, I wondered, I often, I often wonder how his career would have, would have uh would have ended here if if that knee injury never happened because you, you you can tell like 2016 uh that it was it was there was something off and he kind of just steadily declined from there and you know eventually found out about the the deformity in his knee but man yeah that that poor guy yeah I mean <laughs> I guess we'll I, we're gonna go down memory lane for a bit but man like 20 2015 Mike Grella was uh. It's kind of one of the most overlooked stories when we talk about the player development um, uh, story here at Red Bull, because when you look at how hungry he was in 2015, uh, having be in successfully earned an MLS contract from a successful preseason trial, having played with the Carolina Railhawks, I believe, the year before, coming back from oh, Leeds yeah, United. I think so, yeah. Um, like... You know, to me, like, you know, Grell is another great example of the kind of things that people are capable of achieving at this organization where, you know, he, he, he proved that he had a role to play with this team and seized it with everything he got and just, you know, like played some of the best soccer I think he's ever played in his career with this that one year in 2015. And the only thing that, you know, slowed him down in the end was, as you said, you know, was that recurring knee injury that resulted in, you know, that recurring knee injury that kind of became a chronic issue that never really ended up going away. And like you said, you know, like I kind of like I kind of do my in my in my fan fiction, I kind of do wonder what could have possibly happened with a relatively healthier Mike Grella coming off the bench in maybe 2016, 2017 and maybe even this year. 
Like nobody really knows like what could have possibly happened if Mike's knees hadn't really given way, you know? Like yeah, I, I think if I think a, a healthy Grella in twenty seventeen, we win something. Like I, I just because like we lost Royer for, for you know, a good chunk of the summer and that was kind of what started the downhill spiral. We just didn't have the depth to deal with both, you know, the open cup and the regular season. So it's kind of like, fuck it, you know, just go all in for the open cup, which we then lost. Cause we didn't, you know, we didn't have Royer that game, but I think if you have someone like Grella, at least coming off the bench, relatively healthy, I think we do a little bit better that year, but yeah, that, that knee injury just kind of, that was it for him, man. You definitely do have a chance of bagging like a goal, at least, you know, like he's another one of those, uh, direct goal threats off the bench, you know, like I, I imagine that having him and Verone as the weapons off the bench, 2017, Ooh. that would have been pretty nice. That would have been fun. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, this lives on in our memories, really. <laughs> 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 one of those things that could have been, but never could be. But um, uh, regardless, I think uh, just kind of cap in this section. Uh, we love you, Preladino. Um, we, we wish you all the best. Please come back and coach in the academy so that you can, you and Kaku can team up and teach all the kids how to do filthy nutmegs and stepovers. Like, that'd be so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he uh, turned uh, that poor fucker in NYCFC with that, um, oh, yeah. proclaiming it to Bradley to make it 3 0 at Yankee Stadium? Like, that was so nice. <laughs> uh, Did he, like, fucking face plant himself onto the ground that was great yeah it was it, it was like uh, when zavaleta ate shit when toronto came to uh, play us <laughs> earlier this year and he just got um i've never seen a man lose a battle with gravity and inanimate object in such a fashion <laughs> but that was probably one of the most impressive face plants i've ever seen from a professional soccer player <laughs> so uh well done yeah, that was great eric zavaleta you really are just the coach's nephew <laughs> <laughs> um oh, grella man yeah i kind of want to see like disrespect at that level on this team going forward i think the only one that we really have on this team that might be capable of doing exactly that are etienne and ivan and i mean ivan's not really up to speed yet and etienne kind of uh is a bit in- inconsistent with the way that he flashes that skill <clears throat> But, you know, if either of them learn how to weaponize it and remind us of 2015 Mike Grella, I think that should be the kind of guys they should be uh, aspiring to uh, impersonate. But I, I think... I, Ivan's definitely got that in him, man. I mean, he was... Again, it's a lower league, but I mean, he was doing that, you know, frequently down in uh, out in Germany. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just... A, it's, it, I think it, I think it, just give him a full offseason and see what he does in 2019. And... If you end up cutting him, well, you didn't really sign him for much anyway, so I, I, I don't really think that it was a... It just seems like it's a flyer slash lottery ticket thing where he could potentially be a high-level player that we bring in off the scrap heap. And if we don't, well, you know, you don't really lose much in cutting him anyway, so... I, I think this is one of those weird... <clears throat> one of those weird things where... Uh, almost like in 2015 with Verone where you you brought in this guy who is um definitely has potential i think it's very fair to say that verone was more accomplished than than ivan was uh you know relative to when they came in but i think it was i think there's some parallels where you know maybe some of the roster was kind of like just kind of mostly 
sorted out when the when when you know the respective players came in, and you're kind of just giving them the long leash to just figure things out and and kind of you know develop themselves at speed without throwing them under the bus and 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 you know possibly putting yourself into into a hole and then kind of just waiting for next season to really you know to really go all in um i i yeah he hasn't scored and and maybe he hasn't had as many uh you know direct like big goal scoring chances but i mean he has had some pretty good he's created some pretty good chances uh in a couple of games that he's played but he does well he does a lot of off the ball work I think pretty well. And he, he definitely, I think is starting to learn uh, the press more. You see his, I think his pressing is improving. I think his situation awareness is improving. I think his positioning is improving. Like he just, if you, if you remove the actual, like, you know, scoring part or like the direct uh, chance creation threat part, just the other stuff involved regarding how his team plays. I think there's a visible, you know, increase in quality that, that we've seen. So I'm, I'm confident that, you know, when he comes in when he comes in from the preseason, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, our next big superstar, but you know, I don't even, we, we, there, there, I think there's enough players we can, we can, we can cite now as guys who are kind of under the radar, who people, you know, really didn't see much at first, but once they kind of settled in and, and really picked things up, uh, they started to kind of show their, show their value. And I think he's going to be one of those guys. He has talent. I don't think there should be any question about his talent level. I think at this point is how well can he integrate into this team uh, with, with how they want to play, and if he can do that with a good solid off season or uh, preseason, yeah, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that kind of sums up everything that I kind of have to say about that um, the Ivan situation as well, uh, because I yeah. wanted to move on to Red Bull Two. And um, speaking of, you know, the future, uh, the future was uh, kind of uh, tipped for 2019. Uh, Red Bull 2, as we know, uh, they do and they make a lot of moves at the end of the year because at the end, because this is a development side. And you're going to see when you talk about the churn, most of it happens at Red Bull 2. You know, just as how you see a lot of it happening at Leafering. Red Bull 2, you know, expect announcing that it retained five players um, on for the roster for next season. And, you know, there were some uh, pretty obvious choices. You know, I think Jared Stroud, Amando Moreno, and Tom Barlow were definitely must-signs. Um, Chris Lima was a bubble guy that made it, but the surprising name was Jordan Scarlett. And meanwhile, yeah. um, the club... Uh, declining options in Scott Levine, Nico Devera, Lucas Stoffer, Jose Aguinaga, which I thought was a bit surprising as well, and Steven Echeverria, Andrew Lombard having his contract expired, and Andrew Ellen and the futures of Alan Yanez, and I feel, and Alan Yanez and Andrew Tenari kind of being a bit up in the air right now because they are out of contract. So, um, the churn happened, Fernando, right? <laughs> And yeah. sometimes, as we know, the churn produces some unexpected results. And maybe some of them, I think the most surprising things for me was to see Scarlet make make it to a third year Red Bull 2. And, you know, the Giannis's future kind of being in doubt 
considering how good he was uh, in his late season cameos with uh, Red Bull 2, right? Where he really looked like... So, well, so for Giannis, I actually, I I was chatting with someone uh, a couple days ago, and it seems like with Giannis, like it really was just kind of like a one, you know, which is a one-year contract. Like there was, there was even an option, but there's definitely a, a very high expectation that he is going to come back uh, next year, but there's also a chance um, that it might end up being a first team contract right. and not a, uh, and not with Red Bull too. So I, I, I fully expect him to be with the New York Rebels next year. I think where, whether it's with the senior team or with Red Bull two, might depend on what happens with, you know, with some of the other pieces next year. Is Duncan good enough to go? Uh, is Amir? Does he just randomly, you know, surprisingly gets transferred during the offseason? I think there's some stuff here that might play into what team Giannis ends up playing. But I would be very, very, very surprised if he's not back next year. Yeah, you know, when 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 we learned that Giannis was kind of out of a contract, you know, my first instinct as well was, you know, maybe they're gearing him up to sign a first-team contract and potentially be loaned back down to Red Bull 2 if some roster spots didn't open up to develop a bit more, you know, because um, considering how well he played in the stretch run for uh, Red Bull 2, I mean, like, it'd be scandalous if he... If we let him go, quite frankly, like yeah. very, and I think you kind of hinted at this when he first came on, but like you said that he was closer to Mario than, uh, you know, an Ethan Cutler in terms of, you know, talent. And he kind of showed that this year um, with how well he played, um, you know, again, in the stretch run ripple too, that, you know, uh, there are a number of question marks surrounding the fullback, um, the fullback spots for next year. That I wouldn't be surprised if it's a case where you know, like you said, he signs a first team contract and then potentially gets loaned down again. Um, I think with the buzz that's surrounding Amir, especially on the backs of his pretty good, his pretty promising showings at the World Cup for Panama. Like you're gonna have some level of interest for him in the winter transfer window, and this was kind of hinted at, I think, by some sources on Twitter as well. You know, we we already know about the PSV name aim drop, but I believe some of the other teams that were suggested were a couple clubs in Belgium as well. So there's some really good options for Amir that I wouldn't really be surprised if he, that he ends up taking because the Eredivisie and the Jupiter. Jupiler, Julep, whatever the whatever the fuck the Belgian league is called. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Jupiler league. I, I don't know, like uh, something weird. Yeah, we've got a J. It's the other J J league that's not the J league. Jupiler, Jupiler, yeah, J- <laughs> Jupiler. It's J U P I L E R. Sorry that we sound uncultured, but I'm not. I'm not from. from is that Juleper? Juleper, yeah, I guess it's just Juleper. Sounds like a euphemism. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna fire up the old like jalopy. T- like, <laughs> sounds like a candy. Yeah, like what the hell, dude? Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> prior to that, a uh, brief diatribe. But uh, yeah, you know, some really good, um, so-called next steps. I think for Amir might be on the table. That you know, there, there is potential for a first team spot for Alan Yanez, you know, I think to try and make a run for it, especially since, you know, ACL injuries can be a bit tricky despite sports science uh, 
sports science's many advancements. So we don't really know um, what Kyle Duncan's going to look like until we see him in action again next year. Um, I mean, it's good to see that Kyle's back up and running and doing some conditioning again. So we wish you all the best, Kyle, and I hope you come back uh, in February, rearing to go to try and lock down a spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you in that one. I think Giannis is kind of too good to um, for him not to come back, I think. Um, I'm leaning that he should be back with the team in some capacity. The person I'm not so sure about is Andrew Tanari, because, I mean, we knew that he was good. He was very key. He emerged as a key member of that Red Bull 2 side, but with how crowded our midfield is right now, I think it would be fair to kind of wonder if the team just decided that they didn't see a first-team opportunity with him. And in a way, I kind of understand why that is because, you know, like I feel like every single year that Red Bull 2 has been a thing, we've uncovered a new Andrew Tenari like seemingly almost every year. You know, in 2015 yeah. and 2016, it was Vincent Bezicourt and Florian Velo. And Tenari kind of emerged as the Tenari guy, obviously, in 2017, 2018. Um, it's going to be a number, I think, you know, I think we have to remember that the purpose of Red Bull 2 is to eventually develop players for the first team. And mm-hmm. players that they don't feel either have a role or um, the potential to step up aren't always necessarily going to be retained. Because I think, as we've seen from other players who have been kind of victims of the churn, such as Speedy Williams, or uh, what's What's the other? Oh, Junior Flemings, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. They've kind of served as good examples that, you know, even key players on the Red Bull 2 side will almost always find really good, well-paying jobs elsewhere in USL. Um, the end line for most of our guys at Red Bull 2 is, can you contribute to the MLS side? And if the outcomes look kind of questionable on that end, then it's more than likely that they're going to get churned. So I think it might be a case, as good as Tenari played this year, I think maybe I could kind of ra- just ra- rationalize it as the team thinking that he was more of a... He'd kind of cap out at USL and just kind of let be content with him trying his luck elsewhere, you know? And I think that's just the nature of uh, the organization sometimes, you know? He can't really be too sentimental as much as uh, his emergence was a really good story that year for Ripple too. Um, I'm not really sure if we see Andrew Tenari back um, with the organization next year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, if anything, what's nice is is that, you know, at at least this organization has proven that it can create, um, it can put guys in a platform where they can excel elsewhere in USL, you know? So USL kind of owes a lot of its talent pool to us. So, shout out. Um... I think when we talk about, yeah, oh, I mean, sorry. go ahead. I was just to say, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's 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 um, the the only two shockers I, I think for me really was was Aguinaga and um and uh, and Scarlet. I mean, <clears throat> you know, somebody like you, you mentioned uh, what's his name was kind of Limo is kind of a bubble guy. I'm a little surprised by that, but I, I guess he still kind of see potential and 
may just give another year or so, but um, I'm I'm a little surprised that that Aginaga got got uh, got declined. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think with the uh, the you know the writer university um, talent um, conveyor belt that was started by Florian below um, that. You know, I thought Aguinaga showed enough that I think he deserved at least another year to try and prove that he could step up. Um, it could be a case where, you know, options being declined doesn't necessarily preclude them from uh, agreeing a deal to come back to the team. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the first yeah, time it wouldn't be the first time that this has happened either. So um, um, Aguinaga is a guy that I think... You know, I mean, he flashed some of that potential earlier this year. And, you know, I think he'd be, he'd be another one of those guys that I think would be good in um, seeking out and see whether or not he comes back. I think he's a... But I think what kind of throws, th- throws a wrench into uh, that um, for me is the fact that you know, I think it's not it's not going to be a case where they're going to try and renegotiate a deal or anything because these guys don't really get paid that much to begin with. So generally we have seen that maybe 95% of the guys who have their options declined generally don't make it back. But if there is a guy who does, I would like it to be Jose Aguinaga because... As stacked as the midfield is, you know, like there's nothing wrong with stashing a couple guys in Red Bull 2 to see if they can be contributors in 2020 and beyond. You know, and if you kind of keep him in for an extra year of development in Red Bull 2 and he um, flashes that he's capable of making the next step, you know, I think then that's a boon to the... Uh, player development organization. So, I mean, I would kind of like to see some action in that front. Um, unlike, I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about Jordan Scarlett for a bit because I thought that was a surprising thing for me because, um, you know, I think there was talked about how he'd kind of stagnated a little bit in his development this year, um, didn't quite um, flash the same potential that he did in 2016 or parts of 2017. And, you know, you don't usually see third-year Red Bull 2 players, but he's going to be one of the first, I think, which is kind of one of the... which is what kind of makes him very unusual. But I actually think that you can make it... I actually think that you can understand why that was done, especially with the levels of uncertainty that's kind of surrounding a center-back crop. You know, I think the only person that might be locked in for next year at the, as it stands are Aaron Long and Hassan Ndam because we're not sure whether or not Parker's going to re-up his deal. Fidel doesn't seem yeah. like he wants to come back because he wants to play. He wants to go somewhere that will play him more and that's really, really kind of shameful. Pollitz is a bit of a bubble guy, um, so we don't know if he's going to make the cut next year. And um, who is our... Oh yeah, I mean, oh, Colin. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Collins, Collins. Sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's no way he's going back um, next year. I, I, I guess you could kind of see them keeping Jordan Scarlett as a kind of you know an insurance policy 
in case we lose more of our center backs than we'd kind of prepared for. So they just kind of keep him on as someone who could potentially man the fort if need be at Red Bull 2. So that's the only thing that I could kind of see coming from him. And anyway, some defenders do take some time to develop, you know. So um, I guess an extra year of seasoning could do no harm for center backs development. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's all, all I kind of really got for Jordan Scarlett. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I guess that kind of does it for the <laughs> kind of does it for the Red Bull Two discussion. Huh? I mean, not really anything kind of standing out yeah. of it too much. I thought maybe eighty-five percent of these uh, transactions were fair. You know, I think the guys who stayed on the roster proved that they belong and the guys who didn't well didn't <laughs> for the lack of a yeah and look i mean there there's there's always you know there's always a possibility where where uh you know preseason starts next year and and you know some of the guys who were uh who some somebody who was out who options were exercised um or you know they get cut or something i mean there's you know this is certainly not the the final um the final decision for a lot of these guys. I mean, you know, we've seen with the first team a bunch of times too, where, you know, they, they, uh, they get signed for, uh, you know, right before preseason, whatever. And before preseason's over, they're cut. So, you know, we, we well, the roster build for rebel tooth to be interesting. Cause I think this is going to be the biggest, uh, one of the biggest turn turnarounds we've seen so far. Um, and I think, I think some of the guys who, who, you know, we mentioned who stuck around like uh, like Barlow, Moreno. Those two guys, I, I think we're going to have a, a – we're going to see them with the first team, I think, quite a bit next year. Um, I think definitely – especially if you win the Cup where we're definitely – you know, we're going to need some uh, some roster depth. Um, I definitely think we're going to see some of those guys uh, get, you know, get some call-ups at least for, you know, maybe the U.S. Open Cup or something. So – I, th- I think the important part now is going to be for them to kind of figure out guys to come in to take over, you know, the the primary spots, I guess, for some of the guys who might be getting some first-team miniature or something. Yeah, but and I, I, we'll I, see. I, I think the wild card factor here is uh, who they bring in from the academy and college, I think. And fullback yeah. looks like it's going to be yet another position in need. So I think, uh, you know, we were going to have uh, Friedlander come on and talk about the academy and potential um, signings for Ripple 2 in the offseason. A uh, couple names, I think, for you guys to familiarize, familiarize with. If you hadn't seen his uh, article in Red Bull News Network, which did a fantastic overview of some of the guys in the college game right now, some of the academy players in the college game right now, I think two names to kind of get used to, Kevin O'Toole and Marcelo Borges. I mean, I kind of hope that movement gets done on that end because uh, it seems to me that um, even though Yanez might be coming back next year, that they still kind of favor some of their potential um, homegrown slash academy options at fullback for next year. So I think that's probably probably one thing to look out for. Um, speaking of the academy, that does bring us to the mailbag for this um, episode. A uh, number of questions here um, ranging from not just the Academy, but also, you know, it is Thanksgiving. So some uh, hot food takes coming your way in just a few minutes, but we're going to open the uh, mailbag with a question related to the Academy, actually from Kari. 
at Nana Man on Twitter who sent us this question in the DMs. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's all going down in the DMs. That um <laughs> so he asks, question for the rundown. Do you guys think we'll benefit from the end of regional restrictions on homegrown players? And that is a 100% yes. Like, yeah, I think we uh, touched upon it. No one's going to benefit more than us. Yeah. And we were, we're, if anything, we're already starting to kind of benefit a little bit because uh, what we brought in, uh, not just uh, Jean-Christophe Kofi from DC United on that homegrown deal, but also, Dantuma Torre, before he tore his ACL, came over yeah. from PD- PDA. Um, look, the moment that they res- removed the re- the uh, region restrictions on the academy is the moment that you're going to see um, this club go like fucking like hyper hyperdrive on the player development game. Because can you? Because if we had the ability to tap into Southern California. <laughs> and get all those kids yeah. in the youth programs there instead of whatever the fuck the galaxy's doing right now. Like exactly that's yep. be nuts, dude. It, it it's funny because <laughs> you know, on, on certain platforms you, you uh, uh this conversation has been has been talked about. And for God knows what what stupid reason, uh I've seen people cite uh, Atlanta and NYCFC is like the two the the two teams that 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 are looking to benefit the most, and I just have to laugh my ass off because like what what universe do you live in where you think either one of those would have any real ground to stand on against against this team? I mean, I I have heard of of uh, of some parents who have foolishly pulled their kids out of the Rebel Academy program and just to put them with City, and they fell out of there kind of came running back, you know, to, to, to rebel and, and it didn't work. Others who pulled themselves out of the rebel Academy um, with the hopes of getting into NYCFC and they weren't even accepted. I mean, they, there's the, I I've heard uh, quite a few stories of, of uh, people of parents pulling their kids out of the rebel Academy program to go to a different one, uh, whether it's from just actually moving, you know, relocating, whatever, and it didn't work out for them. Um, and then, but the bigger thing for me though is what have they proven? Yeah. What has like what has Atlanta proved that that someone can say, oh, let me go here instead because I'm totally gonna get you know my kids are definitely gonna get a better chance at developing into a high level and you know re- reach their ultimate goal. Who who would who anywhere in this league? What team any what what team in this league can say that that they've done what we've done with 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 our uh, yeah, with the academy um, kids? I would say you know I mean I think the potential with Atlanta is there, but um, the major problem I think that their organization currently suffers from, and you know I think this is you know it's a bit nitpicky on my end because they've only been a team for two years, but you know the the fact of the matter is that I can potentially seeing Atlanta as another LA Galaxy situation where they have these really good. Um, academy products that are waiting for first team minutes, but they're blocked by all these big money South American dudes that they bring in. Mm-hmm. And you're, That's exactly what's going to happen. You're kind of already starting to see it a little bit because people like there's uh, like there are segments of soccer media who are having one giant circle jerk about Andrew Colton, and every time Andrew Colton steps on the field, it's like a fucking 
Uh, it's like Princess Diana was resurrected <laughs> and she came for a royal visit to uh, Atlanta. You know, people were like falling over themselves to talk about how the future of American soccer is here. And he gets a five minute cameo where he doesn't really get the chance to really show his stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. You know, it's the, the, the other guy in the uh, Atlanta Academy right now is uh, what's his name? Uh, George Bellow. You know, like he's another guy yeah. who I can potentially like foresee as being a bit blocked um, by potentially by guys who they bring in from the outside. Um, you know, I think Atlanta does show that they have some capacity for player development because uh, they. I, I I do credit them for Julian Gressel's development. I thought that was pretty nifty, but so far in yeah. terms of draft picks or in terms of a. Uh, integrating from uh, their academy slash reserve team like Russell's the only real success story I think like everyone else in that roster is an expensive import or a guy who they acquired from elsewhere in MLS so um, but but like but the thing is like the the problem see for me the problem with with Atlanta is there's still a lot of questions there's still a lot of what yeah. ifs there's still a lot of oh maybe they will oh they probably will we don't know. I mean, Atlanta has – they've made it pretty obvious that, they, that they're going to be a, a, a pretty big spending team. Maybe not in terms of like straight-up salary because, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not the highest, the highest paid uh, – the highest salaried team in, in, uh, in the league. But they'll spend a lot of money on transfer yeah. fees. So until they prove that they're willing to say, you know what, for this important position – we're not going to go and spend five, seven, you know, five, ten, fifteen million dollars in some on on some import. Instead, we're going to give this, you know, this uh, this you know kid who who we developed, whether it was from from an academy or just another young guy that you kind of pulled in and and just developed over a year or two. Until they prove that they can do that frequently, not just one player, not just two players, but build a a a a, a history. Showing that this is what they're willing to do, it's all it's just all talking shit. You know what I mean? Like it's it they have to prove yeah. something. So if, if a parent, hey, if a parent wants to take that risk, okay. If, if you're gonna relocate your kid all the way to Atlanta on on extreme hopes and dreams with absolutely no real tangible proof in front of you, well then hey, by all means, have have fucking fun. But at least with us, there is a very, very clear path, and not just one or two players. There's a long string of players in the last couple of years, even just since 2015, that you can say, you know, from from a young age, whether it's through the academy or, or again, if you were just a younger person coming in, there's an actual pathway. But if we're talking specifically about academy kids, I mean, come on, we won the shield because of an academy yeah. kid. The person to pudding, ladies and gentlemen, like the difference between, I mean, that's the difference between us and Atlanta right now is that our homegrowns win as trophies, you know, like, um, that's just an objective fact at this point. Like, I'm just going to read, like anyone yeah, who wants to, we, this team, anyone who wants to dissuade this point, I'm just going to play Derek Etienne's goal against Orlando over and over again. Okay. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, this team develops, this team develops winners, period. No, no one, I mean, Atlanta can't say they can do that. NYCFC, you know, even though they're backed by by you know the fucking oil money and and, and with uh with City Football uh, Football Group, 
none of those teams can say they can they they can do what we can do, and we and they can't provide the opportunities to these young kids the way we said we can, and and give a portfolio I mean, full of full of guys that we that we've yeah, done I mean, it to. Dude, you want to talk about like all potential and like no track record? Like NYCFC embody that even more than Atlanta do. I mean, Atlanta at least have. Some yeah. guys coming through the fringes, the first team who are just being blocked by big name signings, like City don't even have a USL team. City, City's biggest City gloated about signing their first youth kid, which was which was our fucking academy yeah, reject. Like, 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 their, like their second homegrown in club history was fifteen year old Joe Scully, who got cut from our under seventeen. Like, <laughs> they're, they're just picking up our sloppy yep. seconds, really. I mean, like, and then on top of that, like, they don't really, there is no real um, proof that any of your homegrown guys are going to make it into the first team over nope. their expensive imports. You know, like, James Sands has been blocked and- by, uh, God, I don't know, I mean... Oh, I mean, like, okay, I mean, like, Ring and Herrera are good players, but when Herrera was missing time, like, Sands was being benched for Eloy fucking Amagat. Who even is that? <laughs> like, the last time I saw Leroy Jenkins, he was getting sent off for a two-footed tackle <laughs> in the derby. Like, who even is this guy? Like, there is... You haven't seen the level of commitment to playing, like, youth players... I think at City and Atlanta, then you've seen at us. Like the, the, the two, uh, the, the game that we won to shield, the game that we won to shield. Adams, Davis, Wheel, Etienne, the heart of our midfield, were were four academy yeah. players. I mean, and then like what the, in terms of MLS homegrown minutes, like we and RSL led the league. Like, and the, yep. I mean, like. like and and that, and that and I and that's, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I think that kind of highlights what we talked about before. What I mentioned before that it's not just about developing players and it's not just about giving them minutes. Again, RSL. I mean, they have a good academy system. The 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 Monarchs were a solid team. They had an equal to the minute amount of minutes as we did this year. They had 49 points. We had 71. And and the difference between those two is just a culture. Of the teams and and the 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 difference in the philosophies and really what's being done on an organizational level between the two you know between what the, the the two teams yeah exactly I mean like when 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 you when you really put all of this together like you kind of just have a sense of how you know I mean objectively speaking heads and shoulders we are in terms of integrating our talent from the reserves in our academy into the first team. You know, and, you know, that's what they were mm-hmm. talking about when they were talking about vertical integration uh, at all levels at the start of this project. You know, I think it's it, 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 it's only just starting to become fully realized. And this isn't going to be like the height of its weaponization. So I think undoubtedly, yes, to kind of just, you know, like distill like what we've been talking about into a quick soundbite. Yes, you know, I, I do agree with the. I, I, Kari, yeah, I mean, I, I do have to say, like, we'll undoubtedly benefit from the end of regional restrictions and homegrown players. Like, it's it, it's all you're already starting to see um, 
other teams as homegrowns be wanting to come play for us? And I think Kofi's going to be the first of many players, I think, who may potentially want to look to uh, jump ship to the Red Bull organization um, just simply because of how much we've proven that we will play our kids, that no other team in MLS can either boast the level of commitment to or the level of quality in developing talent, you know? And I think, yep. you know, we, that's kind of been the crux of this yeah. whole episode, really. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, it's, 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 if you come to us, we're not just going to develop, we're not just going to, going to play you, but we're going to do it at the absolute highest level in, in, in the United States. I mean, there's really no other no other way to put that. Again, it's not just about developing. They're gonna they're gonna you you can you can go to these parents and 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 their and their kid and tell them, look, you know, we want to bring you in. This is our track record. This is what we've been able to accomplish on the backs of kids like you. I don't I don't see how anyone I don't see how any normal child or 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 parent who isn't a shitty parent says no sorry we don't we we, we want to go to you know we want to go somewhere else it, it to me it's it, it it should be a pretty straightforward you know straightforward decision for any uh any kid any parent in the united states looking to to take their career seriously um and kind of break out and and if if you have the opportunity if if you know rebels come knocking on your door man you fucking take it and i'm not sure there's that many other teams in a country that that can have the weight and the push and that, that this, that this team does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think now moving on to uh, the second part of the mailbag, uh, it is Thanksgiving or at least it's the, uh, you know, it's the um, post post-apocalyptic haze of Thanksgiving. Anyway, um, many pounds <laughs> were gained over this last Thursday, but it also means that we have many minutes to dedicate towards the various food questions that we were given. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Metro Food TV is alive, and it's on this episode of, Metro, of the Weekly Rundown. <laughs> Chris Ashley asking us, my family always made dressing from biscuits and cornbread, but New Yorkers seem to like adding sausage or oysters. Does that make it another protein, or is it a starch? I think it's both. It can, it can be a starchy protein, or a proteiny starch, right? Like, I mean... <laughs> Think of it this yeah. way: like what you described to me is pretty similar to paella, is it not? And we kind of look at that as being a carb dish with some protein elements. I mean, the difference between stuffing with sausage and oyster and paella to me is that paella has prawns and it's with a rice base, and that's still pretty starchy. So, um, I, I think it's a non-controversial opinion, in my opinion. Uh. It's a, it's a it's a starchy protein or a proteiny starch. I'm not sure sh- the uh, the the um it's gonna skew one way or another depending on like the um ratio of ingredients. But um just because something is a starch doesn't necessarily mean that it can't also not be a protein. Does anyone want to not yeah. take me up on that? I, I'm kind of right behind you on that yeah. one. Yeah. You see, like, here's the thing. Like, I, I've never really understood why um, uh, RBNY Food Twitter seems to be kind of, like, very, like, all or nothing in its views. Guys, Synergy works, okay? 
Like, <laughs> unless you're going to be pulling like this, like fucking nonsense in terms of like compromising with like white supremacists, like the Democrats enjoy doing. But this is not like politics. <laughs> here, okay? Like, we're just talking about food on Twitter. Like, you can compromise in food opinions, but you can't compromise with white supremacy. Okay, so this is. I can't compromise on pickles, Ooh, though. Okay, that's like a whole other thing altogether. But yeah, um, yeah, I like literally the worst food product <laughs> ever. It's not even food. It's like fucking. It's it's like, oh god. Yeah, I question the integrity of anyone who who enjoys the pickles. pickles are weird, including my because, wife, like, who loves pickles. Like, why would you want to eat c- cucumbers that have been sitting in like salt water and a bunch of other shit for like three weeks, like? It's like you know. It's like if you if you if you bring a cucumber to the beach, and like sit really close to the water on high tide, and like just forget about it, and then you know you just brush off the sand in a fucking nasty salt water and eat it. That would actually, I think, that would actually taste better. <laughs> I would, I would rather have, I would rather have fucking salt water cucumbers than an actual pickle any day of the fucking then, week. Like pickle eaters aren't like the weirdest people. Like the weirdest people are the guys who drink the pickle brine. Like there are people who actually do this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like how, like, like, do, do you piss mayonnaise or something? Like, like how, how Caucasian do you have to be to drink pickle juice, man? Like, I don't understand <laughs> this shit. Like, 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 were you guys really just so starved for quality food items that you had to drink fucking pickle juice? Like, like Jesus, man. Like. <laughs> I mean, what me and you, we come from proud food cultures that really emphasize making great pork products and everything. Um, but that's no excuse because in places like Poland and Russia, they got some great meat dishes. So why would you drink pickle juice? Ahem, ahem, ahem. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I have nothing. I, I, I have violent rage against pickles. It is like, oh my God. When I, when I get like fucking burgers... And I tell them no pickles, and they put it on anyway, and like just that nasty pickle juice seeps onto the bread, and it gets all like soggy and shit, and fucking gross, and just ruins everything. Yeah. Like, listen, <sighs> let's change the subject. If you I'm like getting pickles, angry. Like, just go support NYCFC, okay? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I, but to move on from this, uh, the last question of the night coming from our friends, the world famous empanada store, recess the number one corporate sponsor of the New York Red Bulls organization, um, asking thoughts on a flaming hot Cheeto cheese empanada. Um, Cam and David, if I was maybe like 10 years younger, I would be fully on board with this, but I've learned upon turning 25 that my tolerance for flaming hot Cheetos isn't quite what it used to be. And um, I kind of found that out the hard way on the bus to DC. Um, earlier this er, earlier um, I think it was last year actually in 2017 yeah um, for when we want to go close down RFK um, man like I, li- I like the idea of a cheese empanada but with flaming hot Cheetos I mean I'm sure other people will like it but that shit reeks too much havoc in my stomach for me to like even like stomach the thought of uh, eating one of those personally because I just don't want to repeat of that horrible incident on the bus down to DC. And yes, that pun was fully intended. I can't really stomach it. Um, but hey, man, if you think that people will be down for it, and judging from the amounts of uh, likes and retweets on this particular question, 
I think they are. Yeah, I mean, I say go for it. Like, let other people. Re- they they get a they get a very 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 firm thumbs up for me. I would eat the oh, shit really? out of that. I don't care. I don't. I don't care what it does to my stomach. I would so eat that. I don't care. I'm a Dude, child. Like, whatever. Like you can get even I, better I, I like spice at Brisas as it is. You just get the red sauce. Flaming hot Cheeto cheese empanada with Dude, the that's sauce. Come on, man! Like flaming hot. That's the okay. Hot Cheeto dust is like nasty as shit, dude. Like it's like, it's like, if you really think about it, there's there is acidic as pickles. So you, actually, I think you do enjoy pickles after all. N- yeah, what? that's right. <laughs> flaming hot f- Cheeto dust is just as acidic as pickles are. Pickle juices. That's my fucking. That's my hot take for you. Like, like. <laughs> Dude, dude, like I'm pretty sure that it's like I don't even know what the hell the flaming hot Cheeto dust is, but that stuff shouldn't be as red as it is, dude. Like, like that, 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 that is just so unnatural to me that I don't think that these are naturally occurring pigments. Obviously, like things, sh- like I would have, I would like split it. Like I would eat half and give the other half to my wife or something, and then just get like two regular. Do you hate you know, her that regular much? Regular, but I would, I would. <laughs> no, she's no, she loves. Hot shit, like more than me, like a lot more than but, me. But so flaming hot Cheetos. She would. So she would. It's like it's like a different kind of spice. You know what I mean? She likes pickles, though. <laughs> Are you guys getting divorced now? Like, I mean, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> this is what RBNY food Twitter does. You guys, it causes like divorces. It ends friendships. <laughs> it causes people to go support NYCFC. Like, um. All, all those horrible, horrible things as a result of food. Um, so, um, Brees asked to answer your question. It seems that Metro Fan TV is split. Yeah, wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a split decision. And uh, it's not like a boxing split decision where some bullshit happens and the unpopular opinion actually ends up winning. So, <laughs> in that case, my opinion wins. Yeah, because my opinion is a popular opinion. Because I said so. Uh, <laughs> nah. uh, serious answer like we, we trust the brain trust at precess a bit more than we trust ourselves sometimes i think so um it seems that people will be down for the flaming hot cheeto cheese empanada oh actually i looked at the mentions in the tweet and it's split 50 50 as well like so um this is one of those boomer bust items so it either becomes it's going to be a polarizing thing in the menu, I feel. But if it really takes off and people take to it, like, sure. But, you know, you, you, <laughs> you run the risk of ruining your credibility here. So um, if you think this is where you got to get the risk management team evolved and you got to figure out whether or not it's worth the risk of investment. Because, you know. I <laughs> I say do it. I think like you just kind of cut through uh, my fucking corporate chef and just said, "Yeah, just do it. Just, just shut the fuck <laughs> up." <right? laughs> yeah, just you just sometimes just gotta fucking do it, man. So <laughs> exactly, like maybe maybe this uh, flaming hot Cheetos empanada is like the Alex meal of like the Brisas like menu, where everyone like starts actually oh, shitting yeah. on it, but then they realize just how good it is, and slowly and surely it gains a cult following. Even in the light of all the foolish non-believers, yep. uh, yeah, you know, actually, you know what? Yeah, I say go for it. Uh, 
I may not necessarily be the one <laughs> eating it, but uh, I say go for it. I'll have like a bite because I don't want to really test my flaming hot Cheetos. Um, don't really want to test my flaming hot Cheetos tolerance a bit too much. Uh, yeah, don't want to really take too much risks here. Um, anything else to add? Do it. Do it. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, the only thing, the only other thing I'll say is. I am extremely excited for Sunday. Um, if we come out of that game with a win, then just just like cancel the second game and just like just start the MLS Cup. Yeah, man, I'm that confident. Like, um, if we come out of there with a draw, I feel almost as confident. And as long as we and if even if we lose, as long as we come out with like a goal, like an away goal, and you know a two one loss kind of thing i still think i still i I love our chances i'm so fucking excited Uh, i'm confident for that game as long as we bag an away goal and we keep it within like a one goal score line you know what i mean if the that's like sort of like the baseline expectation for me is that i can stomach a loss away from home as long as we can bag an away goal as it always is in playoffs i mean a win would be like the best case scenario especially if it's like what especially if it's a repeat of the 3-1 result we saw earlier this year like that would be an ideal scoreline coming back to Red Bull Arena Brad is overdue for a goal I kind of have to echo that as well I mean look I mean there are some things that are kind of pointing up in our direction Brad's kind of due uh like I think we touched on in the last episode if Royer decides to become the human torch again like it could be fun uh (laughs) All kinds of things, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, Spicy Dave decided to be a jerk-off and ruin Tyler Adams and Aaron Long, so I hope it doesn't really... I hope they don't really have that U.S. men's national team hangover that some of the other call-ups did earlier in the year. And it's going to be kind of a weird diminishing factor for me. Um, so I think to kind of close out this episode of Metro Fan TV, we are going to close it out like we always do, compelling you to say no to Spicy Dave, first of all. The second thing I want to say is ban international soccer. Um, the third thing I want to say is <laughs> if you made it to this part of the episode, tweet 69 to Andrew Wiebe. Only 85 minutes this time. <laughs> and um, my final closing point is is that William T. Sherman was a, was a Metro hero, and he deserves to be named eternal, pres- eternal mayor of Atlanta because he owned you once, and he's going to own you again. Anything else to add? No. <laughs> no. I, I'm. I'm. I, I'm. Fucking Lana. Um. Yeah. That's. That's kind of it. I'm. I don't know. I, I feel good about this game. But uh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let. I'll let the guys do the talking. Oh, and fuck Spicy Dave and fuck the US uh, the US yeah, exactly. national team. Like completely from yeah, top no, to bottom. I, I totally fucking agree with that. Like, Sp- Spicy Dave is the worst. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw it, but but apparently Chris Armas was was um, uh, miffed that Tyler Adams and uh, Long played a full ninety. I mean, 90. that was so pointless. You know, I mean, like you have unlimited substitutions in a friendly anyway. Like just yeah, that, that was take him out at the half. Or like something. like it's not like yeah, like it's not even a joke at this point. It's like you're you're an active like you are an actual piece of shit to fucking you know, play these two important players for a team that is just a couple days away from an actual 
important game. Yeah, not, not to you mention know, it, it just just not to mention anyway that the U.S. men's national team played like trash anyway. So it's not like it's not they, like you had anything to like gain they, from keeping them on the field. So like, just don't surround our pressure. His goal that game. Don't surround his goal that game was was to fuck shit up and just like you know just leave the men's national team. And just, you know, throw all your shit off your fucking table, like, if you're getting fired from your job kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, just his, his whole goal that game was just to fuck yeah. shit up. He's, he's, a, he's an asshole. Yeah. So, uh, fuck yeah, that in guy. closing, I can't wait for Greg Berhalter to become the U.S. Men's National Team Manager. Because it means Spicy Dave gets off and gets consigned to the annals yep. of history forever. Um, yeah. You know, I think <laughs> that does kind of conclude episode 16 the Metro Fan TV weekly rundown. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to anyone who uh, sent us in a question, but we also do want to give a shout out to anyone who'd like to ride shotgun with me and Fernando in the upcoming weeks, because uh, we're coming to that t- wonderful time of the year, ladies and gentlemen, where, you know, if things go our way this Sunday, we may be talking about, we may have a whole bunch of uh, additional episodes to do that involve talking about the team as the season goes on. So if you want to join us during uh, these uh, most exciting times here in the Metro Fan Week, MTV Weekly Rundown. You know where the DMs are located. Slide into them. Uh, but for now, I think Lens and Fernando here is saying peace and fuck Spicy Dave. Metro Fan TV is saying good morning, good <laughs> afternoon, and good night. See you Sunday. Later.